Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? Hello, guys, and welcome to episode seven of... Okay, okay. Glee! Aggressive! Aggressive! Yeah, all right. I mean, like, um, we, we make it work. And the, have, we been, have we been introducing ourselves? You read my mind. Episodes? You literally read my mind because I was just about to say, by the way, we haven't introduced ourselves in <laughs> six episodes. I was listening to a podcast where they said, we wrote the book on podcasts and you should say your name in the beginning. And I went, fuck. Oh, no. I don't think I've ever said my name in the beginning. <laughs> well. So anyway, I'm Karina. I'm Ian. And, and we're here to, to talk me. about Glee. Yeah, um... We're talking today about Season 1, Episode 7, titled Throwdown, originally aired October 14th, 2009. And uh, also, we have a very special guest today. Yes! Um, Hello, I am here. You are here. Uh, We have game writer, other writer, children wrangler sometimes, (laughs) but not anymore. Not during the pandemic, sadly. No, it's my friend and yours. Internet's own rascal. You um, might follow her on Twitter. I yeah, I am the Internet's own rascal. Um, I know that you often ask your guests this, so I'll go ahead and tell you. I have never watched Glee except for on the occasion of needing to watch Glee to record this podcast. I will say I feel bad because I was like, "Hey, do you want to watch Glee to be on my podcast again?" Because you are good at podcast, and I said, "Please watch this episode." because I want to talk to you about this episode. And then I know for a fact you went and watched other episodes. I did. I watched all of season one because I wanted to watch at least up until this episode so that I would have some context for what was happening. It didn't help. Um, (laughs) So that's sort of my foundation going into it. Well, I am very excited to have your insight on this because I remember uh, when we were doing podcasts, a podcast about Cats the Musical, not the Animal, you just kind of like blew us all away with like your literary insight on like the point of view of Victoria the White Cat and like all of these cats that were just like these young teenage hip, like little almost nothing characters and you're like, no, like if you look at this one, like the point of view, like through the audience, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, holy shit. Like, we just we just felt like talking about cats and we're getting a friggin' <laughs> like, we're getting a friggin' like lit 101 lesson yeah, here. Yeah, you can tell someone in this room has an MFA and someone's... <laughs> well, the good and bad news, I do have a lot of narrative insight about Glee. It's okay. mostly bad yeah. news <laughs> for All everybody. Right. So let's get started on this episode. We open on a yelling match between Sue and Shu. Yeah, we begin in Media Reyes. Yes, I will only refer to them as Sue and Shu because I just think that's great. Uh, this narration really uh, breaks all previously established rules. It does, it's and I love it. It's not an inner monologue, it's a narration. They're like watching themselves and having yeah, a voiceover. Having moment. an out of body experience and also also getting in each other's way. I will say Jane Lynch immediately blew me away here, as she always does, frankly. 100%. But it was, like, it was a bit that could, that it was like, oh, they could make or break this. And Jane Lynch always, always delivers. Yeah. Something I always go back to with, like, that character is, like, it is so, like, almost sketch comedically 
a character game, but no matter what, it fucking works. And I think that's just the brilliance of Jane Lynch, especially she says that line, even in the heat of battle, I am so elegant. And I <laughs> laughed. It was perfect. It's, I, I think that's, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's the high point of the episode for me, because uh, she has several lines in here that might be the high point of the episode, but her immediate understanding of how to deliver that in the funniest way possible was very satisfying. Absolutely. This is Jane Lynch's episode. Yeah, um, it really Totally. Is. Any high points come from Jane Lynch, because there's also certainly quite a few low points. There are so many low points, um, because we go back to the Glee Club rehearsal pretty quickly, um, and... She was just kind of like, oh, any music you want to do? And Amber uh, Mercedes immediately says, like, what about something more black? Which, valid question. Yeah, Mercedes, speak up for yourself. Yeah. And then I forget what, um, oh, what, who said what this Rachel line? Says? Rachel it's says? It's Rachel. It's always okay, Rachel. thank you. Rachel says, it's Glee Club, not, not Crunk, crunk club. club. And that was my yikes Oof. counter. Yeah. I was Oof. like, oh, check one off the yikes counter yikes for counter this episode. goes up one. I have here Dang. Rachel's casual racism is conflated with Mercedes' desire to sing a song not written by a dead white man. And <laughs> that's it. it. Like, the fact that the show immediately treats those two as equal issues. Like, oh, the, the two girls are arguing. It's a cat fight. One of them wants to sing a song that wasn't written by Gilbert and Sullivan and the other one is racist. <laughs> Which so is true. problems that all glee clubs have, I assume. Um hold Honestly, on. yeah. That's realism. Real, hold on real quick. I just want to get a paper and pen because I, I legitimately want to tally off these yikes. Are you going to make moments. an actual yikes Oh, counter? we're going to get a, yike, a yikes counter. Ding, I, ding, I think ding. it's time. I think it's time. Um, give That's me way more second. fun than Karina accidentally crying counter, which is already up to two. I mean, so. we'll, we'll record it all. Is that, do you, do you want to, do you want to catch us up on those? Oh, it's just the episode where Kurt comes out to his dad. Oh, yeah. And first he makes the big football kick and me, someone who clearly loves sports, was like, <laughs> he made the football kick. <laughs> and his dad was proud of him and I cried and then they actually like had a conversation about coming out and I was like this father is caring for his son emotionally and I cried again yeah you know on the one hand you have the issue of they were pretty ham-fisted with a lot of the LGBT representation but on the other hand we still don't have much better it on was mainstream television so so our yikes counter is one with crunk club okay yeah. one seven okay tally it off all right and then, like, um, this isn't where, this is before she actually, like, separates the kids no, into groups, right? This is where you're sowing the seeds, because then Mike yeah. Chang is like, I can pop and lock, and Will goes, that's neat, but I don't care, which is wrong, because I would love to watch Harry Shum Jr. pop and lock for but a long time. But also, wouldn't. He's also already done it, so it's not like... Why would Shu look at that and be like, yeah, that's nice, dear, and move on? Yeah, because in and out racist. of narrative, because it's pretty clear at this point they only brought him in because he can dance. Yes. Um, and, and so <laughs> in narrative and out of narrative, it's like, you brought, you, you're telling the dancer that the dancing isn't necessary. He also plays football. Like, there is, like, flat out the line, the minority students don't feel heard, and I have in parentheses, LOL Santana, probably because she just has zero fucking lines no. ever. 
Yeah. And also, they I don't know. Quinn I had never say that this. instead of having Santana say exactly. This okay. But I'd never caught this before. Like when Quinn says that, Santana gives her total side eye. Right. Like, yeah. That's what it was. Me, you're saying what? Like, hello. I'm one of them. And yeah. they do they do shoot it, which I think is the is the only indication to me that it was intentional and not just Naya Rivera making a character choice. Right. right. And also a personal choice. I could imagine if they were if she like did that as like a choice and then they were like, No, we have to do that again, but this time catch the side eye. Yeah. Like, oh right. Someone someone filming was like, Oh right, Naya Rivera is not white. Oh yeah, well, we fuck, have to we, talk about we this. We fricked up, yeah. guys. This um, scene is also noteworthy because it's the source of the meme. Yes, it took the words right out of my mouth. When I I didn't know that that was coming. I, yeah. you know, I don't think I even knew that the meme was from Glee. And so when I heard it, I was like, I was st- standing ovation. Thank you from the internet. Uh, sectionals is coming up. Um, sure. I, LOL, <laughs> the principal goes to a leadership seminar. Um also, like, something about this rivalry between Sue and Shu, I absolutely love. Like, something about that absolutely worked for me. And I think it's because, like, Shu is no longer taking her shit, and, like, and Sue was just fully in her element. And yeah. I loved every minute of that. Yeah, I think that when Jane Lynch has, like, a straight man to play off of, in every sense of the word, to, uh, to really, like act as um act as over the top as she needs to in order to make the character funny it really shines and so pitting them against each other in that direct way whereas before it's been sort of in passing or through Mm -hmm. intermediaries um right like that was it was a funny bit the the Mm -hmm. whole episode they were able to play off of each other in a way that was funny Yeah, yeah i love that uh then we go right to quinn's ultrasound um the doctor is uh, the mom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I love. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, she's um, Josh, oh. Josh's mom. Yeah, she was. Um, Every doctor in Lima, Ohio is Asian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because we're the smart ones, and we all go to college to become doctors because our parents make us. Yes. Isn't that right, the, Glee, the, the three... show? The three white men know this very, who wrote this, know very yes. well about that. <laughs> I exactly. have, I'll have a lot of speeches to give, but yeah, everybody's... Cannot wait. And then, yeah, they're having a baby girl, it's fine. They, yeah. I don't, is it, is it cool for, I don't know, this isn't, none of us are going to be able to answer this question, because none of us have experienced it. Is it cool for your doctor to say, hey, since you guys are young and having a baby, have you thought about what you're going to, I don't know, do with it? I think right. it's not cool, but I think it's also this this doctor knows already more than either of these, more than both of these children put together, right. and she's just giving it to them straight. Probably also took one look at Finn and was like, oh, this guy's got no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We're going to talk about that, too. That's coming up, because this... Jesus fucking yellow penguins. Anyway. And uh, they're having a girl which throws a wrench in the buy the baby plan. That has been oh yeah, the baby selling. exactly. Yes, that's also happening. See, this is why I'm glad that I watched all of season one up until this episode. Because if I just watched this episode and I saw this woman trying to essentially pre-kidnap, I would have yeah. been. 
a lot more horrified. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe equally horrified, but for different reasons. Also, Shu drove them all here, and that that has that has to be out of the scope of his job. Like that has to be some sort of conflict yeah, of interest. This, yeah, this falls into like the mentoring a student in a weird way sort of thing. And then plus, it's like now we have to have emotions about fatherhood or whatever. And I would have been. I think that it does fall under you know when you are a kid and you are in all kind like you're in over your head and you need a mentor. That's the kind of thing where it's definitely out of bounds for a teacher. But if I was that kid, I would want a student. I you know if I was that student, I would want a teacher to do that for me mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue is that they're pretty inconsistent in how they portray it. Is this show a satirical comedy? Is this show a sort of like a heartfelt dramedy? What is the show? Will's role in Finn and Quinn's lives changes by the day, sometimes by the minute. Yes. Absolutely. So him driving them here doesn't necessarily feel out of character if it's the character of Will that we saw a few episodes ago, but if it's the character of Will that last episode, then yeah, it's weird. But it's also like, is it the character of Will from the pilot that basically extorts Finn into joining Glee Club? Oh yeah, did we ever reconcile that? No, No. you just blackmailed him with planted drugs. Yup. A crime. A pedophile. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, it's (sighs) weird, and it's definitely just shoehorned. I feel like it was shoehorned in to make um, Will think about babies, I guess, to remind him that his wife is supposed to be having one. Because there's a whole um, point of, like, Finn is like, my mom won't even let me have a fish. You wouldn't understand. And it's like, what? Okay, sir, you're seven, like, you're a 16-year-old, 17-year-old Also, your mom man. is right. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I don't think Finn knows his left from his rights, so. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He explains that. Later yeah, that comes episode. up later. A different episode, maybe. or No, in this uh, one. Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> so, there you we'll go. We'll get to it. Uh, so then we're in the hallway. Our favorite I hate thing, this. which is confidential conversations in the crowded hallway. Everything about this, I at one point I went oh out loud to myself alone in my house. I just so I wrote down here. This is a weird way for a high schooler to sexually harass another high schooler. Correct. I hated it. I hated it. Like this. Um, let's like, talk about the independent polling company and my Dockers, which first made me go, oh, what. Yeah. <laughs> Rumored lust for Jufros. Also, what? he said the phrase at one point. We're skipping ahead towards the end of the like sexual harassment, but he said something about how you're upset that Finn hasn't chosen you to carry his litter, and that made me literally go, "Ugh." Yeah. I was still on. I was just still on lust for Jufros because, like, this is like we go on to find out like he's not the only jewish kid in this town or whatever which i mean good for you ohio you have more than one jew is also jewish as is puck we find out but the fact that like this is what they lead with with their depiction of jewish people is so infuriating to me i hate this i should i i'm so mad that not only is he like this stereotypically like nebishy jew but he is a fucking predator. Fuck yeah. this a shit. Gigantic no. pervert. No. The way that it's depicted, you can tell, you know, and I mean, this will come. This is a whole episode about people being minorities, and it does come up. Both Rachel and Puck are Jewish, but the writers have separated them very specifically into these are 
the good kids, so they're the normal Jewish people, and then exactly. you have whatever his name is, the creepazoid Jacob who accosts yes. Rachel. Yeah, he accosts Rachel in the hallway regularly. Uh, talks about her undergarments and no. asks her, like, gives her every like every weird sexual harassment that has come out of this show has been out of his mouth, and it's yeah. like. <sighs> The Always fact dead. that you can tell he he is cast as the Jewish one, whereas Puck and Rachel are cast as the talented singer. People who happen to be and, Jewish. Yeah. Yes. And their Jewishness is never, ever acknowledged unless it's, like, something else for the show to sort of springboard off of. Right. They're only Jewish when the show counter. needs it. Right. More yikes. <sighs> Um, yeah, okay. I think the yikes counter goes up like six times over the course of that conversation. Yeah, everything about this was awful. I'm um, gonna make this an even five, just for, yeah. just to it level it out. It also felt like some writers had watched Sixteen Candles a couple too many times and thought that that was a good role model. Like, <sighs> remember that nerd? Let's make it worse, and also Jewish. <laughs> oh um, no! <laughs> Judaism's <sighs> funny. Um, yeah, it's it's all icky, 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 icky. Uh, um, so. Then we have Sue's kids. Um, yes. Oh yeah, this is where whole... Sue splits the group. Yes. Yeah, and that whole bit gave me office vibes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I mean, I'm fine with it. Why does she call the mouth breathers in front of them? Um, well, because she's not. Here's the thing about this whole episode, which is it's all like true, but all for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And it's like, all inconsistent. But I will say, yeah. she calls the mouth breathers in front of them because Sue Sylvester has never apologized to anyone for anything and that's like i that feels perfectly in character for her but this is i have this as one of the first of many occasions where the show makes a joke that would have been a lot funnier if it had not come from a writer's room of three white men yeah um and obviously what i'm going to talk about is you know she's rattling off the names of the kids that she wants to come join her except for after santana she just calls them by whatever their marginalization is Right. Uh, like gay kid um yep. so when she's calling up tina and mike she calls asian and other asian Ugh. now this if it had been written by an asian writer would have been hilarious because not only is that the way the show uses the characters but that's what it's like to be asian in high school you are completely interchangeable you have to you have to fight every single day for your humanity and to be acknowledged as more than just one of the Asian ones. Um, so the like the way that Tina and Mike give each other this side eye of like which one of us is Asian is pretty much the same way that like the other Asian kid in the class and I would look at each other whenever the teacher called one of our names because it was a toss up which one of us she meant. But then the show doesn't a doesn't do anything with that and b is also written by three white dudes and call me suspicious but i have a feeling that the other asian joke came about organically because that is how the writers think of mike what yeah. was the other asian joke if you don't mind me no like asking. the joke of calling it asian other asian oh yeah, got it got it got the, it okay because that's what they that's what they are called by sue when she calls them up she says asian other asian Right, my uh, bad. I, I don't know why I thought I thought it as like the other Asian joke. Like yeah. there was another one that I forgot about. Oh, there's probably more, I'm sure. La- sure. Later on, Sue calls Mike Changster, 
his last name is Chang. I am just hoping to God that the fact that she called him Changster means that she knows that. Let's. We can assume mm. for once the best in Sue Sylvester and. Yeah, I th- and I, th- I think that in character she does. She has proved that she, if anything, knows a lot about the football kids, and yeah. Mike Chang is one of those, but... Yeah, this uh, this is one of those things that if it was coming from anyone else's mouth, too, it like would have read differently, because Sue Sylvester is, yeah. your, is your characterized, like, oh, Sue Sylvester is kind of yeah. racist. Sue Sylvester doesn't have good And that's the thing. Norms. It was supposed to be that this whole scene was here to be like, oh, Sue's Sue is so crazy. Sue is ridiculous. Right. Sue is a caricature of every like kind of racist person. Um but it doesn't play that way because she is yeah, yeah, she's a character, but the show doesn't do anything to meaningfully challenge that. They're just like, look, she's picking she on minorities she and she's yeah. also the only one to acknowledge that they are minority students in the first place, so yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird. It's a weird sword. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. it's double-edged or not, um, but it certainly feels un- uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else on this scene? <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Uh, this is <laughs> move away from it as quickly as possible. This is where I will say, in case you didn't pick up on it, that Ian and I are white. Um, <laughs> No, I will having white experiences. Yes, I think that I will have more to say at the like when we reach the end of the episode as like a retrospective. But in the way that microaggressions work is that, as always, you know, this scene alone is like, yeah, it's yikes. But they're trying to show how bad Sue is. And then in the next scene, yeah, it's pretty bad, but they're doing it for this and that reason. Microaggressions are cumulative um, (laughs) and I can talk about it more then, but. I guess now I can I can say that at this point in the show talking specifically about the Asian students every every marginalized student in this scene is uh dehumanized by Sue so just to make that clear but um to speak specifically about the Asians Tina and Mike don't really have character traits anymore right you know no. Tina was goth and stuttered when she first signed up and she still does that but to be and like not even I, I don't know why I was gonna say to be fair because it's not even to be fair but it's like they they have yet to truly really get into either of those characters at this point yeah. of the series as it is. Yeah, and so just calling them Asian and other Asian, it's like oh Sue's so terrible, but that's also how the show treats them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so. so then we have a scene with Kendra. Uh, so one of those things I'm like oh this is not surprising. Kendra, Terry's shitty, shitty sister, is an anti-vaxxer. I mean, like, okay. Oh, oh, and is. the ableism in this? Because oh, off the charts. The reference, you know, it, it does the exact same thing where they're like, oh, look at Kendra, she's so crazy. But having her line be, I'm pretty sure the vaccines made my kids stupid, in reference to the anti-vaxxer movement, is Yikes. I Not am cool. going to go to Ryan Murphy's house and take a shit on his floor. Yeah, and you wouldn't be the only one. Yeah, and even on top of that, like, I just don't care about this plot line. I don't care about Will and Terry. I don't care that he stands up for himself. I want to see this blow up for everybody. So, uh, this is going to be a reference that might not work for everyone in this group, but, um, so the first 13 episodes of this show were written and, like, done. Like, they got the pilot and the first 13 episodes were put through. So there was no, like, feedback from fans and I don't know how 
many of you have watched Riverdale? Yes, I do. I know Ian watched it, and I know Ryan I watched it. I watched some. So the begin spoilers for season one of Riverdale. The first one of the first plots is that Archie Andrews, hot Archie who fucks, is <laughs> sleeping with his music teacher. Right. He's just having sex with a teacher, and there's it gets more complicated than that. But it starts out. And everyone is watching this show, and they're like, all right, we kind of like Cole Sprouse's Jughead. There's some neat murder thing. Why is that one sleeping with his teacher? And all the writers were like, oh, guys, we fucked up. They don't like the teacher fucking plot. We gotta get rid of it. And that's what the fake pregnancy plot feels like to me. Like, they did it. They're like, let's just write in this fake pregnancy, maybe? And now everyone's watching it, and they're like, oh, man, maybe we should have waited and not... Made a fake like, pregnancy maybe we plot. shouldn't have made. Maybe we should have. We shouldn't have opened with fake pregnancy. Right. Like Let's I forget. Fake pregnancy. Like, like we're running low on episodes and even moments that I have actually seen of Glee, and I did not know that this was all the first half of season one. Yeah. Like so yeah. much has happened. Ugh. Now, is Will okay? So, I time is weird in Glee. Terry has to be. Is he dumb? Or Will? is he just too deferential to his terrible wife? Because I don't see how anyone could live this long with a woman and not realize, figure out that she is truly. I think he not is pregnant. dumb, but I think it's also, you know, they're disconnected. Their marriage isn't working. They're not in love, and it shows. Right. He really I, wants to be with the other one, Emma, who yeah. I yeah. couldn't tell apart from Terry for the first six episodes. But one really, one blonde. I, I, every time one of them came up on screen, I was like, which one is that? And I had to look to see if they were doing a caricature of OCD in order Mm -hmm. to tell which one it was supposed to be. Emma's not in this episode. Yeah, I realized that, like, at the end. At the end. Um, Because, yeah, like, I'm really surprised it's taken however nebulous amount of time it has been, can't be that many months, for Will to finally be like, hey, um... I'm going to be a dad, and so far all you've had me do is make a BLT. Um, (laughs) Well, also, I think, I want to say it's, like, three or four months in. I feel like they, like, casually said that at one point, because, but Quinn is still not showing, but, like, you can kind of, but, like, you can, they can tell the gender of the baby. I think at this episode they said that she was at ten weeks, but they could also tell the sex of the baby. Which, which is not, is not something weeks. that can happen at ten weeks. So I mean, yeah, if if your if your foundation is whether or not it has a penis, you're right, it doesn't. But eighteen to twenty one weeks is when you should be able to determine the sex of your yeah. baby. The timeline is pretty bad regardless. So I think I right. think it's fair to say that like Terry is supposed to be a little bit farther along than Quinn, but as we know, Will in his desperate desire to be with Emma just like isn't he just isn't feeling it. They're out of sync. I think that's what it's supposed to be. As it is, sure. it plays like Will Schuster is the dumbest man that has yes. ever lived because he is living with a woman who is supposed to be pregnant. Right. Instead, um, is having this weird, weird... And is having conversations about it on the phone with her sister right next to him. Yeah, yeah. people in this show don't respect like the fact that when you talk, other people can hear you. Yeah, that's like pretty... That's like a <laughs> universal thing. No one believes anyone else can hear them. There there ought to be more consequences about having conversations in the hallway, but there never is. Speaking (laughs) of... Frankly, if I went to school with Jacob Ben Israel, I would also try my very best not to hear anything that he says. Yeah. Yeah. Would you buy him a pair of panties to give to him? Gross. Um, Honestly, if it made him go away, I might. 
This is the only I time I would respect Rachel Berry. Yeah, like, as annoying as Rachel is, like, she does not deserve this treatment. And I don't even remember what happened in this scene because my note here is Finn and Rachel, all caps, and this fucker again. I hate this, I hate this, no, no, not the harassment again, no. But Oh yeah, I think that was Rachel, that was, that was when Rachel explained to Finn what she had done to get Jacob to go away, which is give him a pair of her panties. Ugh. Right. Yeah, and then he didn't want them because he said these still have the price tag on them. I want authentic Rachel Berry panties. <laughs> and I said is... this is I like please it's beyond just like it's beyond just casual high school or sexual harassment to the point where I would be insisting that he be made to change schools and also move to another state. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be right to do that. What are, what is this guy's home life like? Like, who are this guy's fucking parents that just, presumably, like, enable him? Well, based on uh, his stereotypes, presumably he lives with a rabbi. <laughs> yeah, based this. on his stereotypes, he oh, has, like, Jesus the two most Jewish parents <laughs> that have ever existed. He actually goes home to the fiddler on the roof. <laughs> and he's waiting for the matchmaker to finally he commu- match him with someone. He commutes from Anatevka every yeah. day by mule. Um. um and then Rachel's like, Don't worry, Finn, I saved you from the pregnancy story and he she he's like, Yeah, you helped me and Quinn and she's like, Yes. Yeah, God. totally. Everything's yeah. fine. Um and then it's it's Sue Sue's kids time. Sue's kids time, which yes. I mean I feel like we, like, I lost count of how many yikes are deserving like of this now. episode. Maybe ten. Yeah. Five for every Jacob scene. So, uh, <laughs> Sue does the whitest thing possible, which is, of course, claimed to be 116th, um, Comanche? Comanche. I looked yes. it up. Um, fun fact, if you're thinking, if you want to know, that is not a tribe that resided on land in Ohio, which either means Sue is not from Ohio, or the writers picked a name out of a hat. Um, which is uh, both of which are plausible so i believe the second one more so anyway and then like she has this yikes line of she's thinking of moving to california to become a minority she loves them so much i i honestly had to sit there and be like what does that mean (laughs) I, i i don't know i think it could be that california is uh, is known for its ethnic diversity to the point mm-hmm. that white people are considered a minority. It could be that Sue Sylvester has some other more racist meaning in mind. And I think that, again, in the hands of better writers, this would be a scene that would work if this really was a farce or if it really was a satire. Because right. Sue having those views makes total sense if that's the way that they want to use her character. The issue is the inconsistency. Instead, it just looks like like if they were consistent with it and if the show used its narrative to reinforce uh, the fact that this is deranged in other ways, then uh, then this would be an effective and funny scene. And instead, it just kind of looks like they told Jane Lynch to do racist stand-up comedy. And she yeah. does it well. I mean, Which, yeah. yeah, I mean, again, I her mean, like, performance is flawless, and I think that she delivers it in the way that it needs to be delivered if it is a satire. It's just right. that the rest of the show doesn't uphold that. And it's interesting because sometimes you go into a project, like, especially when you're filming something, and, like, as an actor, you don't always know, like, what it is that we're doing here. So, like, 
No, I'm like, I'm not going to like defend the thing, but I could totally see the situation where like Jane Lynch walks onto set and she just kind of gets like a, like a set of pages and is like, okay, I'm just going to play this as like farcically as I can. she's a good enough performer that she can do that and right. it comes across. It's also right. the same thing we talked about a couple episodes ago, which is back in 2009 when we're safely snuggled into the Obama era. We yep. were like, you know what would be funny is this character who gets on TV and says stupidly racist, uh, outrageous things, and we all laugh because yeah, that, because nobody that would, would never happen that. in real life. So we all look back on this with horror glasses, but it, it wasn't that big of a different time, but it was a different enough yeah. time that it was probably didn't think of that as like, oh no, I can't do this. It right. was definitely a lot easier to make those mistakes on TV because... Uh, you know, it was 2009. We had our first black president. Racism was over. Yeah. Um, I will say, I'm pretty sure most minorities working in the entertainment industry knew you couldn't do it, but they obviously didn't consult anyone. (laughs) Valid. Um, But you know what? Let's move on to a happier time, which is the first musical number of the episode. Let's talk about this because (laughs) hate on me. It's good. It's, it's good. really good. It's probably it's, it's I, I think it's it's probably technically speaking the best number of the episode. It's a great number. Absolutely. Uh, Amber and Riley I, fucking kills it. She kills Ugh. it. I want to see the girl band that is Amber Riley, Santana, and uh, Tina because yeah. like the three of them as a fucking girl band just fucking slaying. I want that series. Yeah. This is what like got me because I was like, damn. This is better than uh, it's that other so Glee much club. better. Like, and yes. like you know that this is the kind of music that also these kids want to be doing, as opposed yeah. to like Will Schuster's white guy rapping, or Ugh. again Whoa. like every Gilbert and Sullivan number. I do want to say the one downer to this, which I uh, I have in my notes as not to be a bummer, but um, it does like the implication here that you take students with every possible marginalization and hand them one R&B song and imply that it is going to meet all of their needs and their marginalizations has led to this number being performed by two of the whitest kids in the Glee Club, which is Kurt and Artie as both as people with sincere marginalizations, but Mm. the implication that here by R&B yeah, we have a here. We have the normal students, and then we have the R and B students. Like mm. the it's it's such an it's an oversimplification by the show that again, the show doesn't really address. And it also it shows all of these kids being excited, like oh yes, this is our song, us the minorities. Whereas, uh, you know, if it was a show with a more complex understanding of what makes people minorities. We probably would have had a better scene, although it is in character, because if I was those kids, I would be excited to sing anything that wasn't a show tune. And I also would much rather watch this than the Rachel and Finn show for another, like, Oh my god, Jesus fucking Christ, yes. So, like, watching in real life. I wrote down, I was like, man, this is a ploy. (laughs) This is all a ploy from Sue to try to, like, wreck havoc. But, like, man, she was... It worked out, though. She was right. I mean, all of her tactics were spot on. I mean, like, that number was fucking fire. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it was really fun to watch Kurt dancing throughout this. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, he's great. He's doing his He's great. Um, Also, new tally. Shu just looking sad at things. Oh, yeah. yeah, His looking through the door, looking sad at all of these 
children having fun and like singing songs that they like yeah oh they didn't want to sing my white guy music anymore yeah so but i did kanye for them you hear, you hear the Charlie Brown music as he walks away. Yeah, so Sue, in trying to do a bad thing, sort of did a good thing, but really was still... Yeah. It's did a good thing would have been better if she'd committed yeah, instead of sure. just trying to destroy the Glee Club from the inside. And then we have more mental health jokes. Implying that Will has paranoid schizophrenia. Right. And then um, saying... Also, I hate men with curly hair, which seems like a weird thing to stake your That's, argument on. I will say that is that is, that was pretty funny though. Like, that, yeah, like that, the again, problematic is... jokes aside. <laughs> I, sorry, the problematic jokes aside. Like I love the scene just because like I love the two of them fighting. Also, like this is literally a, a note for like nobody except four people and maybe now whoever listens to this episode. Sue Sylvester, especially in the scene has what I call big Aunt Tina energy because she reminded me so much of my Aunt Tina. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, my, my Aunt Tina is nothing like Sue Sylvester, but has that same, like, had that same stoic energy where, like, she will walk right past you and read you for filth and she will not apologize because she did nothing wrong. Shout out to Ian's Aunt Tina. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, go on. I feel like Rascal no. had so much, had something quite... So much I more didn't. I was just gonna say that every time Jane Lynch delivers a joke like this, it lands because she knows she knows how to make everything funny. And her saying, "I, I, I hate men with curly hair," is exactly the kind of justification that Sue would give something yeah. and and yeah. think of it as perfectly reasonable because the world revolves around her. And frankly, I agree. I mean, still, I'm I'm rooting for the cheerleaders. I am rooting for Jane Lynch. Um, <laughs> And, like, just the fact that that is a joke they keep on coming back to is, like, Will's curly hair is so great. Yeah, they're gonna commit to that forever. Good. We go back to Terry. She's a crummy wife. I still don't care about them. Oh, yeah. she. Uh, and then Will says to her, you're carrying my baby. I have no right to expect anything else from you. Which pretty much distills the understanding of women that this show has demonstrated thus far. Was this, yeah. the, was this the moment in time where he was like, the least you could do is control dinner? That's actually that's in a later scene. At yes. this point, okay. he's like, "No, you, it's okay. You're pregnant." Which his rationale of "You're carrying my baby, and I shouldn't expect anything else from you" is uh, pretty deeply problematic. But yes. he also is like, "You're pregnant. You're fine." And she says, uh, "No, I can help you with your kids, and I will. And you should be more forceful." And then later on, he takes that to mean that he should be a jerk to yes. her specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know. Six, right. six, we love it. So he fails all the cheerleaders. He fails all the, cheerleader- he the cheerleaders. Um, I do love, like, because I'm a, I'm a classical music nerd, um, I do love that uh, Sue's, like, motif in this is Carmina Burana. Yes. Every time <laughs> she, like, has this, like, outer body, like, rage experience, like, you just hear O oh, Fortuna, and I just, I think it's, that is, that is well done. That is so funny. I also, I love her dynamic with Figgins. They understand comedy, and they yes. understand how to play off of each other so well. <laughs> that scene ends with her, like, storming out of the office and, like, throwing things <laughs> and assaulting children. Not but children. that is pure satire and Figgins yelling after her not the children is like that's a that's a funny line it is yes. the first ever Sue Sylvester full on tantrum and I'm here for it yeah oh, that man. is the same 
I to bring it down with Asian shit. That is the same scene where it once again shows Figgins and his uh, his I guess anti embolism stalking commercial, and the yeah. whole time in the background it has what I like to call Asian music. Yes, which is just right. you know you know what I mean when I say Asian music. It it's a Did tiny you... moment in the grand scheme of things in this episode. It's almost nothing, but it bears repeating every time they have an opportunity to other people in a racist way they take it and every time they have the opportunity to interrogate race they're like we're all one big happy family here plus what's um, race first of all fun fact uh the that um like snake charmer like oriental theme that's not what was playing in the background but that theme was invented by a white man at the chicago world's fair um of course it was the same time the ferris wheel was invented so and that's also the foundation of most of that musical composition right. by white people for Asian people. And it people. was just a guy who needed to, um, didn't have music for some belly dancers and had a piano, and so he just sort of improvised something he thought would fit with belly dancing. Right, and then like I mean, we're going into a whole other podcast, but like, <laughs> I mean, like all of your like nineteen fifties musicals that are have this like sort of like Asian fascination. Like, a lot of them by, like, Rodgers and Hammerstein, who, like, who write beautiful music, but, like, looking back on it, like, it's uh, quite problematic. It's beautiful, write beautiful, but problematic. You can still be kind of racist. Yeah. Exactly. Your music can yeah. be good, and you can be um, bad. As exactly. And for a different kind exactly. of racism, uh, in Sue talking about how kids don't need Spanish unless you're planning to be uh, a gardener or A gardener or a dishwasher. Dish oh, yeah. No. And, I was and like, again, wow, again, if they framed Sue's character right, this would be a funny satire interrogating race. It could, it, yeah, like yeah. like that sounds. It sounds like a joke that like Hassan Minhaj might have made um, when Patriarch was still up, and right. it would have been funny because he understands race. Instead, again, it's just we're gonna have Sue Sylvester say the racist stuff, and it's funny, right? It's like it's her, and it's like I love her, but like she needs to not have those moments. Yeah, they well they need to not give her those lines. Sue Sylvester. R- is the most complicated person in the show to talk about because she is hilarious because Jane Lynch knows how to perform. Mm-hmm. Right. It's still not a good look or good character. Look. Or right. No. I, but I will now. say, I will say it is funny that she like is talking to them and she's like, I, I, I build my Cheerios. Do they go to college? I don't know. That was funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also at first I was watching and I was like, oh, Sue... No, Shoe Sylvester. Whoa, I just I got them all wrong. <laughs> Will yeah. Schuster. None of that. Will Shoe Sylvester was um, failing the kids as a punishment, and then it turned out that all of them actually were mo- meant to be failing Spanish, which begs the question: Um, hey, Will, what were you doing before? You were like, just passing them before, right? Yeah, you were just passing. Problem. You're part of the problem. Are you that bad a teacher, or are they just that dumb? Because, like, you have that moment um, where, like, I mean, this bleeds into the next scene. Like, you have this moment where, like, Brittany's trying to cheat. And, like, I feel bad about, I feel bad for her because she's just, like, so genuinely, like, not understanding. Her delivery on that is just, I just don't understand anything. I'm like, girl, same. (laughs) And it's, like, it's so earnest, but it also kind of feels like, like such a throwaway like thing that's like part of a larger problem and meanwhile it's an open book test and a kid still needs help from the teacher yeah um 
Yeah. I mean, clearly it's not a good school. We've established that no. many, many times. Yes. Um, what um, do we think? So, first of all, Gwyneth Paltrow... This is another instance of actors coming up with some foreshadowing. Gwyneth Paltrow exists in the Glee universe. Mm. And she will be joining us shortly for a pretty extended role on this show. So... That's enough. That's the second time an actor or actress has been mentioned who will then come on. Now, just a quick poll here. Would you name a baby Drizzle? Absolutely fucking not. Um, I think that if we were in a post-apocalyptic future, uh, where we had to, like, we had to think up new names that wouldn't be recognizable as human names so that the robots wouldn't be able to distinguish us based on our human names then yes otherwise no okay that's a pretty reasonable <laughs> scenario i can see why <laughs> um so yeah finn's just dumb as a rock um and then they go have a sensitive conversation in the hallway and then first of all so i was struggling to like figure out because finn's all like why won't you let me be involved in your teen pregnancy and right. Quinn is like, I don't really want you involved. And to me, that seemed pretty fair because she's like a teenager in high school and she's not really looking to be a mom right now. So it doesn't right. feel like, I don't know, I've never been a teen parent. How much? And well, there's also the added complication that Finn isn't actually the father of this child. But for all intents and purposes, we're pretending he is. So like, how much say does he get? Right. And also yeah. like you, like... It's still more or less a secret. Well, I don't know. They should stop fucking talking in the hallway then. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in math I, class, yeah, that's in fair. Yeah, sorry, I almost room. forgot where we were. <laughs> um, but like, and Quinn's parents don't know that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, hallway nonsense hallway aside, like, yeah. like we like very few people know about this. And then Qu- and then Finn makes the mistake of saying that she wishes that Quinn was more like Rachel. Oh my god, I made a Jerry Springer like ooh noise alone to myself. <laughs> that home. that line felt so forced. It did. It felt like something that no that no teenager would ever think. It was just like he's like I'm dealing with being a teen father of a baby that we don't want to keep but also is still a real presence in our lives currently. And also this other girl Love yeah. triangle. Right. Being in high school must suck. And, like, throughout all of this, Quinn is still the only one I care about. She's doing a pretty good job emoting, I feel like. Yeah. She's she's giving off emotions. I, yeah. I think, like, I think Diana Agron is very grounded in this whole thing. I think like, she's a fantastic performer. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. as, as an actress. I don't... I would care more about her, I think, if the show understood what it was doing with her earlier because she was pretty much a satire of like the cheerleader who gets pregnant in the early episodes and I feel like this is one of the first times that we see her actually struggling with this in a way that we can like that we can see the stress that it is causing both her and her relationships right then we go back to Glee Club rehearsal before the parents get there so Ian you had asked me way back in the pilot if you thought their auditions were recorded live, and I said that there was only one, maybe two things that I've ever recorded live that I knew of in Glee. This was one of them. Really? The kids, this kid's yeah. singing Ride With Me is, as far as, 
the only one I know for sure that was recorded live, not in the studio. It might have even hear been, it. yeah, it might have even been sure. semi improvised in that way that like I think the kids might have been fucking around on set and doing this, and then people were like, "Wait, start again. We're gonna do it a little more professionally, but we want to use this kind of energy, this fun, youthful, like yeah. just hanging around." Like, it's also one of my favorite bits of characterization in the show. Period. Yeah, I love this. This was super fun. Like. It's it was pretty after school especially, but like it worked for me. Um, yeah. That it being said, as I seen. Yeah. That being fun. said, I do not believe that Rachel Berry knows the words to that song. That's no, absolutely not. Say. She would consider it not, a, a slight like, on her honor if you implied that she did. Exactly. Like, this belongs in Crunk Club. That was one of the it, things that I was like, oh, this feels like um, the actors. You, I can really see a lot of the actors more so than the characters. Yeah. Because right. the actors at this point were definitely all still friends and having fun being with young people on set. And but that's really what comes through. I do like it if it, if like, again, this is once, once something where they almost got it right. Because mm-hmm. narratively, at this point, they are showing, oh, we've divided the kids up. We have the minorities and the regular students. Whoops, we can't call them that. Um, but here we, sh- we see, oh, these kids like each other. They genuinely like each other. They yeah, like right. to hang out they like each other for who they are so if they had leaned into that a little more if they had shown these kids like learning from each other and also understanding each other's marginalizations in scenes like this where it's clear that they all want the same thing and they want to be around each other as full authentic people including their marginalizations instead of either pretending that they aren't there or segregating them that would have been a really strong message and it also would have been really strong character development for Will, who seems to be the only person who doesn't get it. They don't do that, of course, but it could have been cool. You know... Thank you for, like, articulating literally everything that, like, I'm noticing and seeing but have no idea, like, how to process it. <laughs> yeah, that's because job. everything that's you're saying, good. just like in podcasts, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. That's, like, 100% the thing. Sometimes it could have been cool. To... I have to mess- message Rascal and be like, can you explain why I'm feeling this way? And she does it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your one, service. One thing an English major is good for. <laughs> but it's, it's, my emotions. it is a pattern where, and I don't think the show owes us morals. I don't think it has to be a moralizing show, but I do think that if you are going to, it like you have a responsibility, a basic responsibility to not be racist, which they fail that bar alone. But also, yeah. if they are going to try to have a storyline about minority students, they need to actually make it that storyline. Is it a satire? If it's a satire, do that. Is it an after-school special? If so, do that. Like, right. instead, they just, like, they almost give a message, and then they don't. It's like they're paying lip service to it without actually committing sure it happens every time um then we get shu giving his kids a song which is no uh-huh. air Ugh. i spent this whole number waiting for it to be over me yeah. too. i've literally I, never ever ever wanted to boring fucking song i've ever yeah, heard like no wonder all of shu's kids keep defecting because if i had to sing no air and if i if i had to sing no air and not even the lyrics Right. I would. Because, of course, it's another fucking, fucking like, I'm... Finn and Rachel song. 
Finn doesn't even sound real. It's giving me like very like ham-fisted Spring Awakening vibes mm-hmm. with this hallway music video nonsense. Oh yeah, with all the wind blowing down the hallway to whip their hair around. What's going ab- on? I do absolutely love Quinn in the scene because Quinn being a bitch in this scene is my energy. I will say the at my day job. Scene, the camera work yes. of the, like the juxtaposition of like Rachel and Finn very clearly taking on the romantic aspect of the song, and then they keep right. panning back to like Finn, not Finn, Quinn, looking like pissed off in the corner, going, "Ooh, I'm I'm here for that." Um, yeah, that's it is good camera work, but like this is. This is the whitest thing I've ever that Glee has yeah. done so far, and they've also, already had Will Schuster rap twice. Will says, and it's like this they're is... singing about hate, and I we want to we're gonna sing about something that's literally the opposite of that. Spoken by a guy and who does a doesn't understand hate on me, and B has only ever heard what three opposites songs. Are. How is, how is the song No Air literally the opposite of Hate on Me? Oh my god. Also, it, it's yeah, sung it by was... Jordan Sparks and Chris Brown. <laughs> and again, it could have been, it could have fit into this sort of alternate universe episode where they actually interrogated these issues and the kids could have held this up as, you know, Mr. Schuster, look, you say that we should all be one big happy family, but you want us to sing this behind like you want us to sing the oohs and the ahs behind the white kids like right um going but nobody calls him on it no first round of a game that like my roommate has encouraged us to play um for the tally rachel berry closes her eyes 11 times singing this song i literally whenever rachel berry is singing i it's like my eyes blur i just like zone out until it's done (laughs) at this point Um, i'm a it sounds like every other song Rachel and Finn have ever sung. Um, and then at the end of it, we find out Puck is Jewish. Shalom. And Brittany is Dutch. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that I makes really, the minorities. That is so wild. I really wish the they whole, just, like... like th- so this this is when Quinn, Quinn puts the idea in their heads where she's like, so we're just supposed to stand in the back and sway. And then she walks away saying, I think... I think Miss Sylvester is right. He doesn't care about minorities. Right. And Puck and Brittany, instead of looking at each other and saying, what does that mean? That makes no goddamn sense. They take that to mean, oh, Mr. Schuster doesn't like us because we're minorities. We should jump ship. I mean, I guess Puck's Judaism is a reason. And also, it's true. But as as we touched on earlier in the episode, they only ever reference his judaism and they only ever bring up he's not deeply weird characters judaism as a when it's like a convenient thing puck and rachel are are passing jews because you don't know that they're jewish at the moment they show up and speak like they aren't used as disgusting caricatures of judaism Um, exactly so yeah it's what it is it is what it is in terms of this late in the episode because it's the same shit we've been seeing all episode. Yes. Exactly. And then we get to that really awful scene where Will tells his wife, I expect you to take care of dinner. My oh, note yeah. for this I think was, it's appropriate nope. for you to take care of dinner. My note here is Will is lucky anyone ever wanted to marry him. Yeah. Terry yeah. is acting right here. Yeah. Terry Schuster is acting. Her leg yeah. is falling apart and she's oh. acting. But the, the purpose of this scene is to say, I made an appointment with uh, for to go see Dr. Wu. Yes. Right. Uh, 
so that we can go see the baby's ultrasound together. Right. And that's him, like, taking charge and being involved in her pregnancy. Yeah, we're supposed to see this as Will, like, taking Terry's advice to take charge of things and be more forceful. And instead, it just feels bad. It just feels like a huge boundary violation in every possible way. Like, I don't like it. I don't like them. I don't like this plot line. There's... Yeah. I know of many people... Well, not many. I know of people who, especially now, were... I was... I'm going to use the phrase experiencing pregnancy um, <laughs> during the terrible global pandemic. And for some of them, it's actually been very hard for them because uh, typically going to these appointments is something you share with your partner and that can't happen all the time now. So I can see why... Will is suddenly now, however many months in, realizing that this is something he might want to be sharing with his wife. Um, the correct way to do it is not to call up the gynecologist and insist on making an unnecessary sonogram. Yeah. Uh, Especially it is to what are they going to do? Just wife. check up on it. Like it's like going in. She doesn't like it's like it's like he's going into the, a doctor, a medical office, like it's a J.C. Penney portrait studio, and saying, "Hello, I need a. I would like some Polaroids." Of a fetus, please. That's because in I'm fact exactly what she does, right. but yes. not for and that reason. Right. Because because Kendra and Terry go to Doctor Wu's office, another Asian doctor, immediately start with a Karate Kid reference. No. Nope. Oh, let I I do need to talk about this for a second. We start out it. with Doctor Wu you. trimming his bonsai. Yes. Which I again would think was funny if it came from Asian writers or if Doctor Wu wasn't Asian or if. The, if the show had shown any more awareness because I think that a harried doctor having his weird hobby in the office is funny except I don't trust these writers to do that for unracist reasons and they immediately follow it up with Terry apropos of nothing literally out of nowhere just says I had a big crush on the karate kid when I was when I was in high school <sighs> like why does she say that also the karate kid is white like, oh, Jesus why, Christ. why did any of this come up? If they had taken that line out, the episode would be shorter and we'd all be better for it. But instead, <laughs> they just have her say it for no reason. And that is, to me, a microcosm of this show's understanding of Asian characters and minorities in general, and also how to write comedy. Right. Um, all of Kendra's children are creepy gingers. Like, oh, and so finds she's a way to yeah. them with ADD, which is, you know. I actually, I see now why there is no yikes counter for this show, because I'm pretty sure I would have lost count around count 20 in this episode. It's off right. the charts, baby. It's off the charts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, okay, my note here is I hate Kendra. Fuck this woman. She definitely stormed the Capitol in January. Yep. Oh, she, she absolutely did. She did. was absolutely right there. She's got, Probably she's with got her own big, shitty got, little kids. She's got big yeah. I got maced woman energy. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Uh, yeah, uh, we've discussed that if she's going to sue Dr. Wu and send all of his clients to Dr. Chin, the other doctor because in town. the other Asian doctor, the only other yeah. OBGYN. And we do need to talk about their understanding of Asian last names. Because yeah. both Tina yes. and Mike are named Chang. Yes. Howard's right. last name is Bamboo. Which, Which, as we discussed briefly last episode, I am paraphrasing you, uh, is bad. 
<laughs> that that is a correct paraphrase. It's like they ran out after one. I uh they they ran out. They were like, okay, boat. We've already used this last name twice, uh, and then we used Tanaka, which they pronounced Tanaka, which I've never ever heard. But maybe it is. Like, I feel like I've heard it, but also like don't. <laughs> Like, I am no authority on how it should be pronounced. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, ways. neither am I, but I've only I've only ever heard Japanese people say Tanaka, but maybe it's a... Valid. A, Absolutely valid. Who knows? But then they, re- like, they ran out after after two uses of Chang, and they were like, okay, bamboo, well, my... the next one we're just calling bamboo, and they fucking did it. And I'm wondering if, like, they realized that they had two Changs. I honestly think they didn't because I, Tina I don't came think first. they did either. Tina came first, then Ken, and then Howard Bamboo, which means they ran out after two, and then they brought in Mike and they're like, hmm, that one's Asian. Mike Chang. And then they were yeah, like, just and then like two episodes later the they were like, Oh no, her name's Tina Cohen Chang. It means <laughs> that the only method that they had for finding Asian people's last names was to physically like look at a kid's map of Asia and see the items that they have like lined up around the continent and then also flip open a copy of Harry Potter. Yeah. That's it. That's the only <laughs> oh. option. Jake Harris yeah. says Chang is the only Asian. Um Yes, yes. And we don't like that. So We don't like that. So now we've got di- blackmail, more blackmail. More blackmail. There's this the show is surprisingly show? heavy on the blackmail. Um, um, I don't have anything else until it's time for Quinn to sing. Okay, I want to talk about this too, and it's significantly less important than, like, racism or really anything. But my question is, why did it have to be set me free? Because, uh, as discussed, I love Diana Agron, I love this character, I love that Quinn has this moment, and, like, to me, this is another one of those instances where it's like, this could have been a show in the style of a musical where Quinn is feeling something so intensely that it could have been like her internal monologue coming out in the ver- in the form of song, mm-hmm. and this happened to be the song. I love that she had this moment, but like, I feel like it could have been so many other songs. And I was talking with my roommate about this, and like, she enters like initially in like the first episode or the second episode with say a little prayer. So maybe she gets these sort of like Motowny um soul songs, but at the same time it's like she would have been the only one with that with that motif because everybody just sings anything no matter how appropriate it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering like why wasn't this like a Spice Girls song? I actually why wasn't this have an answer Ooh, which please. is keep me hanging on. It's foreshadowing the final number. Sure, mm. sure. I don't think that's an excuse, but I, I, I do think that's why they I like. I think it, I think they probably had narrowed it down to like three songs, and they went with this one, probably def- mostly for the lyrics. I absolutely saw that justification, and like I absolutely understand. Like I see the I see that in the lyrics, but I'm like I feel like it could have been criminal. I know I'm a oh, big God, Fiona Apple fan. Yeah. Anything. This was another number. So My only note for this is I really didn't need this. And it's not that, like, I'm glad that Quinn gets the moment. And yeah. again, like, I really think that this actress is excellent. I think this, for one thing, I don't think this was a good song for her. It no. right. kind of sounds like, it kind of sounds like she doesn't really know how to sing it. Or it sounds like somebody told her that she needs to sing the whole thing in her mouth and not utilize any of her torso while she does it. Uh, mm. Diana um, Agron kind of, uh, with a lot of the songs they pick for her at this point, gets a lot of reviews 
from way back when people were reviewing it, um, that says her vocal stylings end up sounding kind of thin. Like mm-hmm. very thin. They, so, it sounds like especially when you're it sounds like she was forbidden from engaging her abdominal muscles. Well, she's pregnant during right. filming. So right. of course she's pregnant. The baby she's is the taking away is her abdominal. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Valid, but then I mean counter justification. A that's the character and not the singer. Yeah. B if we're living in this like musical moment where like this is almost like the monologue internally then like that wouldn't matter and she Um, should have been able to give it as much force as she was feeling instead of feeling like she was backing off of her own inner monologue so as not to overwhelm anybody right um then we have right but then we have a full-on auditorium rehearsal which ends up going back to that... Um, where we started. Like, that beginning. Yeah, it goes back to yeah. where we started. Um, they have that famous line, Sue has a PhD, you got that online. Um, I do love that Sue calls Shu out for, like, you're just a failed performer. I'm true. Yeah. She it's true, because, true. like, again, that could have also been the show. Yeah, could have yeah. been. Yeah. And, um, like, I do appreciate that they stand... Like, this is the moment where they stand up, like, it's about time. Yeah. And it's another almost hit it because the kids all standing up together and saying, this is not what we want, could have resolved in them being the teachers and saying, we want to sing together. We like each other. Right. We recognize each other's marginalizations. We're not always good at it. Often we're very bad at it. But I'd rather have no glee club than have a glee club where I don't get to have all of my friends. Yeah. Right. Um. And I think it's actually, my feelings about it are encapsulated in the, like, one second blink if you miss it. As they're all storming out, you see the football guys all carrying Artie's wheelchair. Yeah. And I really... Yes. I actually... 100%. I love that as a character moment if they'd used it as one. Where it was, like, if it showed... If the show had given us anything else of, like, Artie and the football guys interacting and demonstrating that they like Artie, they are Artie's friends, these football guys like him as a person and so when it comes time to address the fact that he has needs that this building clearly isn't meeting then they know immediately what it is that he needs from them in order to have this storm out be accessible that would have felt great but instead, without any of that buildup, it kind of just feels like a one-note dig at Artie once again punch- punching down because he, quote-unquote, is in a wheelchair when, you know, it's funny again, you the actor because not. Yeah. Um, sorry to cut you off. Um, I, I, I did, I mean, I guess I did see it in that, like, friendship alliance way because I yeah. thought that was really sweet and, like, I guess, like, I... I well, that's like, the way like that you I said, they almost like 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 they almost hit it. They almost yeah. get it right. I that that's be... the way that I first saw it too. But I think that we have the instinct of people who are like looking to bridge those gaps. The show sure. did not put any work into demonstrating that relationship, and then it's pretty much abandon it holes. after this. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's letting us fill in these holes of like. Like how people who watch shows obsessively pick up on background moments and assign that those background moments as main character yeah. traits to people. And I will admit, I did. I watched this episode a total of three times in order to do this, because the first time I watched it, I was playing Hades, mm-hmm. 
Mm. And the second time I watched it, I was playing Hades. Yes, so <laughs> in order to take the notes for this episode, <laughs> I had watched it three times. And by that time, I was seeing that moment and going, oh, man, that would have been really cool. Mm -hmm. That it would have um, been a nice character building moment. This scene for me was worth it solely for Rachel Berry's line. Fellow Glee Clubbers, it would be an honor to show you how a real storm out is done. I encourage you to follow my lead. That was like, that was just that's chef's Rachel Berry. kiss. That's that Rachel Berry encapsulates in, her whole character. Yeah, that's, that's like, way. that's, that was perfect. That moment was perfect. Um, well, folks, we've arrived at the infamous line. Perhaps one of, especially now that people are diving back into the show and the height of quarantine times, I would say one of the most infamous lines in all of the glee, which is <laughs> Will Schuster sitting down and with a straight face saying to a room full of people, you're all minorities. You're in glee club. For, for one thing, yes, I did go to the sun when he said that. But we haven't arrived at that yet because in between here we have their visit to, uh, their their visit to go look at that ultrasound that oh. isn't their ultrasound. It's Quinn's ultrasound. Oh, and Will like, Schuster, even... American right. public high school teacher, when he finds out that the baby is a girl, asks if its dick fell off. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, I can't believe Jesus. I just yeeted that scene out of my mind. Um, I, it I mean, was understandable, right so. but we have to talk about the fact so... that this apparently educated adult having this baby who is supposed to be the like moral and intelligent one upon hearing oh no actually whoops turns out it's a girl says did something happen to his like flying yeah, no. that's I the mean, choice that they made we already know that the sex ed uh, in ohio cannot be great because first of all uh terry when asking about her baby asked if it fell out um, <laughs> right. And Will Schuster was willing to believe that his wife knew the sex of his baby uh, three days after announcing their pregnancy. So yep. um, clearly, no one knows yeah. what's going on. So he might the human think body. that that's how that he might think that that's how sex works. Is that well? Oh, it fell off. You take your dick off and you put it somewhere else, and then yeah. And now you're a girl, um, Mazel Tov. And then everyone cries. Because, because they're so happy. Oh, and Will decides nothing else matters. Actually, this is, uh, real quick, Terry could have been a much better villain here because yeah. this is the bit where she looks at him and she says, remember, no matter what happens, remember in this moment we love each other. Yeah. And that level of, like, manipulation and thinking ahead to, like, like, creating a safety net for if her baby theft plan goes awry, that could have been, that it could have been really cool. Yeah. Her, right. Really, because... like, Deep manipulation with Terry being just dumb and over her head versus being truly right. like kind of a super villain kind of esque, and yeah. they really can't figure I, out where they want to land there. I think that's a great point because I truly saw that as a moment where she just like knows that she's fucked. Like she knows that there's no easy way out of this. Um, yeah. So yeah, everyone cries. Will doesn't know how sex works, and they're having um, a girl apparently. Yeah. Um, because yeah. they just literally stole a DVD of another ultrasound from another doctor. Um, by the way, they again, just do, only... I mean, there's only two and they're both Asian. So yep. obviously they know each other through the Asian neural network. Yes, exactly. Um, and now everyone's back. And now we can get to the now Will Schuster says to Sue Sylvester, you were right. 
to shine the light on the fact that these those kids are minorities. And then you cut to him telling them, because you're all minorities, nope. you're in the Glee Club. Hey, nope. hey, buddy, that's not how that works. Nope. Being in a kind of shitty club in high school does not make you a yeah. minority. It does not make you and marginalized. This is one of those moments that made me question seriously. Is this show supposed to be a satire? I really think it doesn't know at this point. Because it's still so early on. Yeah. I don't know if I've talked right. about... Like, we've talked about, like, when it's being written not by a group of writers, but by three people who maybe all have slightly different visions for what this show should be, that... It these... turns into something different every episode. Every time! So, I think... Every that, scene. At this point, they were like, maybe it is... This is a satire episode, maybe? Yeah, but that this scene, it doesn't feel like a satire. No, it, it feels, feels like an after-school special. Right. It feels uh... like them playing straight. You're all minorities. And because the the moral of this story is we're all one big happy family, and this is when Will says, "So it doesn't matter uh, that Rachel is Jewish or Finn." And then Finn, world's straightest whitest man, he Will can't even think of anything. So Finn's like, "I can't tell my rights from my lefts," and it's like, "Oh ho ho, that's just as funny as institutional racism." <laughs> um, so the whole I mean the whole scene is supposed to be all of these students who had been separated coming together and being like we want to sing together and that was supposed to be the triumphant end but it gets interrupted by sue's revelation that quinn's secret is out yes right and we'll go into that in a second but i do want to say the whole storyline of the minority students they're not being heard they've been separated from each other and and now uh now we have these two competing glee clubs it didn't ever get a resolution because as always it was interrupted and shoved to the back by the drama of the white people yep yes and especially ending on that note of an avril lavigne song um yeah so uh before we get to that which i also have a statement on um yeah it turns out that sue found out from jacob ben israel about the pregnancy story um, right. by finding and made him run it. Yeah, and by right. finding Rachel's underwear in his possession, making an uncomfortable comment, um, were you an Eve born a Steve? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Some light transphobia sprinkled like, oh, in with yeah. all of the other horrors. We hadn't done that one yet. <laughs> yeah, so right. Check that yeah. one off. My bingo board is full now. Um, <laughs> we're way past bingo. And, and now runs the story because she feels betrayed by Quinn? I guess. Yes, she feels I she guess. feels betrayal. Um, and so that was what prompts them to sing Avril Lavigne. Here's a fact I did not know until yesterday, which was this is an Avril Lavigne song. First of all, didn't know that. Uh, really? Yeah, it wasn't my time. But also, I probably didn't know it because this song was written for the movie Aragon. This, really? This isn't just a song Avril Lavigne wrote for fun. That she actually... wrote it for the movie Aragon. Okay, the so movie. that explains, and I do want to say I've said a lot of very smart things in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, I want to cash all of that in to say I fucking love this song and I love this cover. So here's why. I am a huge slut for big choirs. I'm a huge slut for dramatic strings. Just give me a room full of people all belting something out with the dramatic strings in the background. Like, I I am always so deep in that shit. 
Like, I know there's so many problems with this as a number, with this number overshadowing all of the legitimate, serious racial issues that were addressed or not addressed in this episode. It's so ham-fisted. The fact that it's still all about this love triangle, even though a girl's life was just ruined, like... There are a lot of things to critique, but every time it came on, I would be like, yes, 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 this is exactly my shit. I love it. I'm oh, so man, I love that. I'm Thank you, you like so much for that. Thank you so much. It's, and it also explains, I was like, this doesn't really sound like Avril Lavigne. No, because And, it's an it, you know, song. the fantasy aesthetic behind it, that ex- it completely explains why I'm all about it. I will say that I found out this was from Aragon because I was reading, like, an old Glee review. I read... I read the same basically old blog reviews to see what people were thinking in the moment. Um, and they said specifically about how it ends with them singing an Avril Lavigne song written for the movie about a dragon. And I went, is this from How to Train Your Dragon? <laughs> and, then I, and then I looked it up and I was like, God. oh no, it's the other dragon book. 2009 really was a different time. Um, this number is... 100% show choir. This is the first show it choir is. number we've seen. Yes. They're walking around in vague circles. Mike Chang's wearing... They keep wearing, flinging their yeah. arms Mike out. Mike Chang's wearing yeah. the skinniest suspenders. They're yeah. just like... <laughs> they're like the width of your and Like penis. Quinn is, of course, the only one in like a flowy blouse because while everybody pregnant. else is yeah. form-fitted. Um, and also Finn has like like kind of a doofy sweater. Yeah, Rachel and Finn oh, are yeah. again, so I don't really care about that, but... I I wouldn't, except, like, as much... I don't want to give Leah Michelle anything, but I will say she does... Like, her voice does lend this number the the breadth and depth that it needs. Also, the school with a very underfunded arts program somehow managed to find a whole orchestra wearing suits at a moment's notice. Uh, it's it is again. what I would have liked. I would have liked it if instead of just the arm flinging choreography, they had inter like in the same way that they did with no air. If they had instead showed the Glee kids showing up for Quinn, the yeah. way that implies this song is going to. But instead, right. it was just them all in black and white and flinging their arms around. This is the first and time it didn't feel really as authentic. Done they've done, like they've ended the episode with uh, in costume, like as though they were performing for an audience number, not one. It feels yeah. almost non-diegetic, as though it's not taking place. Really, that this is sort of in their heads of like this is right. what it's you're like representing. It's almost it's almost a solid theatrical moment as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's this, and that's the episode. Wow, we did it, guys. That was a we yeah. did it. That was a ride from left to right, um, up and down. So I do have Asian things to talk about that was a little be my bit. First question, which is yeah. any final thoughts and. I know that we've run quite long already, so I will do my best to keep it brief, but it does involve a personal story of... Oh, yeah. Take my, your time. I did not watch Glee when it was airing, obviously, um, but I did use Facebook, and on Facebook in 2009, there was a trend where you would have a picture of like a bunch of different character archetypes or personality traits, like the one who always needs a nap or the one who drinks too much coffee or whatever it is. Um, so somebody made up a board of Glee characters and labeled them for instance, and none of them were very good. Like uh, Rachel was the drama queen and Mercedes was the loud one. Very bad. Yeah. Um, but they were all character archetypes, except Tina was the Asian one. Guess who I got tagged as? Oof. So 
The fact, though, that this show spawned that sort of Facebook meme, it speaks to me about the broader trend of the way that they treated their minority characters, specifically ethnic minorities, but also everybody. Like, it's, and this episode is really a microcosm of it. They understand that people are different, but they think that the solution is everybody act the same. And then they don't do the follow through because they don't know that it's what they're saying. But what they're saying is everybody, everybody's the same as long as they're white or as long as they act white. It's, and when we do talk about the fact that these kids are minorities, it's just part of what makes them a part of the minority that is Glee Club. Except at the end, we're going to do this dramatic dragon movie number with all of the white kids at the front. And once again, putting all of the minority students dancing around them while they sing about their love triangle and holding on. Which again, I loved. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's this. This is my my big the big tragedy of this episode is how much I liked this number. Um, it's, I mean, obviously I'm best suited to talk about Asian characters, but all through the show so far, Tina and Mike combined have had like six lines of dialogue, and that plays into our stereotype of Asian people are quiet and get good grades. They went ahead and made Tina goth as though that was going to be something about her character. It does come up, but not in any meaningful way. Meanwhile, Mercedes has the hardest job because at least Tina and Mike have each other. She has to be the only black kid in this school, pretty much. And she also has to be a human being and a complex character. On the one hand, good for her for being, for like, being able to be a complex character. That's more than Tina ever got. But on the other hand, she has to be everything mercedes has the hardest job in this school maybe and maybe this adds absolutely nothing but like she's like carrying the weight she's carrying so much weight of this show Mm -hmm. oh absolutely just like from a performing standpoint from like a complexity standpoint like you were talking about like yeah like she's absolutely carrying like the bulk of this load Yeah. yeah there is there is a lot more to say about mercedes but like Already by this episode seven, you can see how much work she is doing, how much work Amber Riley is doing as an actor, and how much work Mercedes, the character, is doing to to bring whatever authentic diversity the show has, whatever teaspoons of authentic diversity it offers up. And then do they thank her for it? Never. Never. Not once. Right. Uh, Ian, I sent we you need the, to treat uh... black women better in every single aspect of our lives but in media glee's treatment of black women in media is you know it's it's just a signpost for the rest of society so yeah i don't know it was an it was an episode that tried to speak to or or didn't try i can't tell still to actual issues that these ethnic minorities probably faced but i mean i was the other asian in high school because all Asian students were completely interchangeable and they made a joke that lampshades that and then they upheld it. They kept it going. The, the show treated them exactly that way. So the most that it did is they said, hey, we treat people this way and then they showed it and that's it. That's the joke. The joke is, look, Asians. And is, yeah. is it not Hilarious. a joke if there's no punchline? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, well, I, 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 I just want to hug you right now, rascal. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I, I have, 
I, I have longer and smarter things to say, I'm sure, about the way that you learn at a young age that when you are an ethnic minority, you need to work twice as hard to be human. But I feel like the show doesn't even really give me a good opportunity to talk about that because I'm looking for basic things like not being compared to the karate kid. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm starting Oof. from back there. <laughs> this is uh, why I was like, this will be a fun episode to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Do you want to well. talk about your complex feelings of uh, representation <laughs> of Asian Americans on TV? I I do want to talk about how Jenna Oskowitz deserves better in her life. God. Oh man, justice for Tina again. Justice for Tina. Um. That's that'll be another T-shirt that we make for this yes. podcast. That'll be one of the. That'll be another merch. Look for the merch thing. Boy. Um. All right. Well. So. Rascal, where would you like people to find Wait, you on, on the internet? Wait, we do have one oh, more. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Question, which at this point is going to seem like trivial compared to what we've been talking about, but I still need I know, to right? ask it. Right. You have to spend 99 cents today. <laughs> I, I may to do this. You have to go onto iTunes and buy a song. Please tell I may me do this one. in real life. I may in real life purchase <laughs> the Glee cover of Keep Holding On on iTunes. Because I may have scathing things to say about every single aspect of this show and the way that it handles every issue, but, but you I want to listen to keep holding love on in the this shower. cover. I do. I do want to sing it in the town. I want the strings behind me. God, you're valid. Amazing. Ian? Yup. Uh, for me, it's Hate On Me. Yeah? Hate On Me is a better song. They did a better <laughs> job with it. It's a better cover. Yeah. I understand that I am garbage. <laughs> I no, trust me. Love it. Ex- I, I expect expect me throughout the course of the show to have unpopular opinions on the music. Uh, <laughs> Hate on me is very good, um, yeah. though, because it really does. It feels like a good. Because I, I did. This is why way back I said it is probably technically the best the best yeah. number in the show. I did episode, almost go I with set me free. That. Like I, I change. Keep me hanging on. Go on. Uh, interestingly, I think I am gonna go with you. Keep me hanging on. I just like uh, I like that number. I'm I'm tired of. Yeah. It's great. I have a terrible bias. It against, hurts my voice to hear it. Though. I have a terrible bias against Finn and Rachel numbers. Um, and understandable. And I also don't want to listen to them. You keep me hanging on does feel like a song I would. I have. I don't have a lot of that, so it would really kind of expand my repertoire. Cool. But now we've done it. We we somehow did it. We've managed to cover everything from fake pregnancy to um, Aragon the movie to systemic racism. I am impressed. And we're only halfway through season one. Not even. <laughs> All right. So yeah, Rascal, do you want people to find you online? How do they do that? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Elevator Lich. I talk about games and I talk about having a complex relationship with your ethnic identity. Um, Who knew? And occasionally, more than occasionally, I talk about soup. Yeah. Um, nice. And via my Twitter, you can find other works that I do. I, I make games both independently and with other people sometimes, and I hypothetically write stories which will be on the internet, but I have to update my website first. So sometime next year, probably. It's been on my to-do list for about a year, so I just need one more year's run-up to actually do that. There you go. <sighs> Karina, where can people find you? If you're looking to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I've got the same handle on both of those. So if you're searching up at Epic Adventure of, you will find all of my nonsense. Um, it's it, That's what it is. It's nonsense. 
There's not a lot happening Amazing. there right now. It's a slow period in life. There's only so much we can talk about. But, you know, yeah. go through the backlogs. That was funnier in 2014. Um, Ian? You can find me at ibroski on Twitter and Instagram and at ianjbrodsky.com. Ian Brodsky was taken, and no, I am not a Chicago lawyer, so don't <laughs> don't hit me up about that. All right. Well, we've done it. That was episode, uh, season one, episode seven. You can yeah. join us next week when we watch uh, season one, episode eight, titled Mashup. So watch and have feelings. If you have feelings about this episode, which I can't imagine you don't have feelings about that, this episode, um, let us hear your feelings. We had plenty, and we'd love to share them. Uh, you can yes. contact us on the social media at either Twitter or Instagram at, at Glee Aggressive, or you can send us a long-form uh, email essay at gleeaggressive at gmail.com if your thoughts send us your theses if your thoughts I'm gonna to... email you guys as soon as this episode is over I can't another wait essay. Um, I can't wait yeah if your thoughts exceed 240 characters please shoot us an email um but we're excited for you to join us next week which does mean Ian I have to ask does this does this episode of Glee make you want to watch the next one I mean, after after this discussion not so much but after having watched <laughs> that episode yes oh no we we intelligenced it too far. Well, <laughs> exactly. As promised, I can ruin anything. Well, this was not hard though. Good enough. We'll try again next week. Da, da, da.